9. Uh, before we get started, so I don't miss it, let me make sure that I announce this. There will not be a healing service here the next two weeks, okay? So next week, August the 26th, and the following week, September the 2nd, there will not be a healing service. Now next week, I'd really encourage you, uh, in fact, starting this Sunday, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night at 7 o'clock here at the church, Kenneth and Lynette Hagan will be here ministering. They'll be using the church to, to do a, a seminar here. Kenneth Hagan has got a very strong healing ministry as part of his ministry. I'm not sure if he'll be laying on the hands on the sick, but I'm sure he probably will, knowing him. But if really, if you can make those meetings during the morning sessions, which will be at 10.30, Lynette Hagan will be here, excellent teacher of the Word of God. So that'll be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday morning. So as I said, we won't be here Thursday. The following week, staff has something where the offices will be closed on September the 2nd. Now, on September the 9th, which is three weeks from today, last week if you were here, Jeff Painter was here. Uh, maybe that was two weeks ago. I lost track. But anyway, Jeff Painter is going to be here doing the complete service on September the 9th. So um, yeah. invite somebody to be here. Again, he's got a, a prophetic anointing, ministers by song. I don't know how he's going to minister. I've given him complete freedom to do whatever the Spirit of God leads him to do. So September the 9th, which will be the next time we're together, uh, Jeff Painter will be ministering. So. Mark chapter 9, beginning at verse 14. Mark chapter 9. Talking about Jesus, and when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them, and straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, they saluted. And he asked his disciples, or the scribes, what questions you with, with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which has a dumb spirit. Whithersoever he takes him, he tears him and foams him and gnashes with his teeth and pines him. And I spake to thy disciples, and they could not cast him out. And he said to them, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you, and how long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came upon him? And he said, Since he's a child. And oft times it has cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if thou can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said, With tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. When Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou Dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee to come out of him and enter into him no more. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was one that was as if he was dead, insomuch that he said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind comes out not but by prayer and fasting. Now I want to focus in on verses 23 and 24. Verse 23 and 24. Notice what Jesus said. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And then notice verse 24. The man said, Father, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. I received a phone call yesterday from a, a minister from another state uh, calling about somebody that uh, he and I both know very, very well uh, who is a minister of the gospel. And... Uh, He's going through a very trying time. His wife has been diagnosed with uh, terminal illness, questioning what, how much time she may or may not have left, uh, just a lot of things that are taking place. Anyway, this minister said, Craig, he says, I, I don't know how to, how to talk to my brother. He says, he comes to me. In fact, he's actually his pastor. He's a traveling minister. And he said to him, he says, man, he's a man of faith. He's preached. He's had healing ministry. I've seen mighty, mighty things take place in his life. But he says, right now, all that comes out of his mouth is unbelief. You know, that can happen to anybody. I don't care how much you walk in this word. When you get that evil report sometimes, the devil comes against you sometimes, you're going to be just like this man and say, I believe, but help my unbelief. And I've just been meditating on that the last couple of days because I'm going to be calling my brother and, and uh, just kind of not ready to do it yet. Just want to be led by the Holy Ghost, call him at the right time, have the right word to say, the right word in season, have an anointed word so it can break that yoke. Because, uh, number one, we don't want him to be in despair. Number two, we want her to be healed, and she can be healed. The Bible says she already is. In fact, let's just establish a couple of things. Go with me to Matthew, Matthew chapter 8. Sometimes, you know, we, uh, 
We need to get back to basics, I guess. That's what I guess the Lord's really been kind of dealing with me as I've been meditating upon uh, this individual. Sometimes we're always looking for something new, something. sometimes we want to really hit something, all that, that'll really tickle their ears. But let's just get back to what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 8, verse 14. And when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother, sick of fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. And when the even was come, they brought in him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Now notice here, himself, Jesus. Look what it says here. Jesus took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. But notice something else. Notice in verse uh, 16, they brought in him many that were possessed with devils. Now notice, he, which is Jesus, cast out the spirits, notice, with his word. It's with the word. It's the Word. And, of course, we know what John tells us. John tells us in the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the Word. And really, what he's quoting here is what Isaiah did prophet. By his stripes, by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. We were healed. Look at 1 Peter 2.24. 1 Peter. You can all quote these verses. But I, I think that sometimes we just need to go back to them. We need to look at these verses. We need to meditate upon these verses again. You know, we've got to reestablish... Uh, these things in our life. You know, when you think about, I've shared this many times, but when you think about the children of Israel when they were in the wilderness, every morning they went out and there was fresh manna. But notice, every day there was fresh manna. God told them, don't try to store the manna up. You go ahead and you take that manna and you put it someplace. You store it up for the next day. In fact, one guy went ahead and did and he went, went back to get his manna the next day and guess what? It was full of maggots. It was rotten. Why? It wasn't fresh. You know, Pastor Chris was leading prayer this morning, and one of the things that, that I thought was interesting, he was, you know, stirring people up and so forth. And, of course, Pastor Chris, with his with ministry and then with work and business and stuff, he has to rise up early. He's got crews that he's getting off. But I liked what he said this morning. He says, I've had my prayer time. I've had my devotional time. Have you? We need to make that a habit every day. You know, you may, your schedules might be such that you don't have an hour to be able to do that. But your schedule is stuff that, as soon as your feet, in fact, as soon as your eyes open, you can start saying something. As soon as your feet hit the floor, you can start saying something. And you can take a few minutes. Just, if nothing else, grab a devotional, grab your Bible, grab a book, whatever, and get into His Word, if it's only five minutes. But get something down on the inside of you that you've got something that when you drive away from your home or whatever you go, if you walk, whatever the case may be, you've got some Word in you that you can begin to meditate on. You've got fresh manna for that day. And I believe that if you make a commitment to do that, and like I said, don't set a goal that you can't reach, that you can't keep up. Don't say, well, I'm going to get up and do it an hour every day. Don't do that if you can't do it. And probably you can't do it because there will be days with people's schedules you can't do that. But you can get up every day and get five minutes in. You can do that. I mean, you can brush your teeth. You know, people don't even think about it. They just get up and it's just an automatic habit. They brush your teeth. Well, make an automatic habit. You just get up in the morning. You find a scripture or two. And you've got some fresh manner to begin to use. Now, I think if you make that commitment, I think you'll be surprised how many days that that scripture that you happen to take that day will be one that you will need sometime throughout that day. I know as soon as I, I hung up the phone yesterday with this, with this gentleman, as soon as I hung it up, just as I'm hanging up the phone, just on the inside of me, this scripture in, in Mark went off. Lord, I believe, but help thy my unbelief. Because I know he believes. I don't have, I mean, I know the man. I know him too well. I've watched his ministry. Oh, for 30 years I've watched his ministry. Praying with people, laying hands on people, prophesying, teaching the Word of God, uncompromising Word of God. First Peter 2.24. You can all quote it. In fact, let's just begin at verse 21. For even unto him you are called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. You know, I think there's a, there's a correlation there between sinning and talking. That went over big, didn't it? <laughs> Just read James chapter 2. Oh, we're ensnared with the words of our mouth, he tells us in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 2. You know, Jesus was a person of very few words. Didn't say a lot. In fact, John tells us, Jesus himself even said, I only say the words my Father tells me to say. I only do the things that he commands me to do. And then you read this verse and notice, 
and there was no sin. I think it has a lot to do with the words that we speak. Anyway, that went over good. Let's go to verse 23. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, committed unto himself that judges righteously. Now notice, who his own self bear our sins and his own body on the tree. Now, the body of Christ has absolutely no problem with that portion of the Scripture at all. We all believe that Jesus died for our sins. We all believe once we're born again, when we heard the message of truth, we heard the message of reconciliation, we believe that if we confess our sin, He is just and righteous, He forgives us, He cleanses us, and we're, we're going to heaven. We don't have any question about that. So let's not fight with the rest of the verse. Because it's all part of the package. It's all part of our redemptive package that He did for us. Notice. Bear our sins in his own body in the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness. Now notice, by whose stripes you were, past tense word, healed. By whose stripes you were healed. Now, let's go over to Second Peter. You're close to it. Second Peter chapter 1. I just sat down this morning as I was just meditating, just wrote some scriptures down, and we're just going to look at the scriptures this morning. Let the word speak for itself. What's the word have to say? Well, Second Peter chapter one, verse one. Simon Peter. Now we all know that Peter was an apostle, but notice how Peter looked at himself. A servant and an apostle. He was a servant first. He served first. Yes, he did have a fivefold ministry office, but he first seen himself as a servant. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now notice, to them that have obtained like precious faith. Now notice, with us through the righteousness of God our Savior Jesus Christ. So really we can see when we became righteous is when the faith came. Because faith comes through righteousness. And of course we know Second Corinthians 5.17 says that... Uh, in fact, let's just read it. Let's not do that. We're going to do that today. We're just going to read scriptures, not quote scriptures. It takes a little bit longer, but you know, you need to look at them. Now, I assume probably everybody in here is born again. Don't raise your hand, but I'm going to ask you a question. When's the last time, not preparing for a lesson, where you're teaching someone, in your own private devotional time, when's the last time you went and looked at 2 Corinthians 5.17? Probably been a long time for a lot of you. Sure it has. Why is that? Because look what this scripture says. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, well, we're in Christ. Notice, he is a new creature. Notice, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, I don't know about you. I've been born again since January of 1980. So it's been over 30 years. But you know, I still have things come up on the inside of me every so often of before I was a Christian. Those old things sometimes, I still have some little habits every so often. Something will, I don't know where it comes from, but out of some place comes something. A word comes out of me, an action comes out of me, and I even sometimes ask myself, now where'd that come from? I, that, that's already been gone. I'm a new person in Christ Jesus. We need to put ourselves in remembrance. We are in Him. We're a brand new person in Christ Jesus. You know, the Scriptures tell us that His mercies are new every morning. You know, if you've had a bad day, or if you stumbled, or you said something, or did something that you shouldn't have, that condemnation tries to come upon you. But Romans chapter 8, verse 1 tells me that in Him there is no condemnation. So we have to put ourselves in remembrance. No, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. His mercies are new every morning. I'm a brand new person in Christ Jesus. Just putting ourselves in remembrance of that. Pastor Chris was talking about this morning in prayer. Just stirring ourselves up. You know, David, when he went ahead and got into trouble and things were going bad in his life, guess who encouraged him? He did. That was the only one. Everybody else was against him. It says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. To me, that's a sign of maturity. If you and I, no matter what we're going through, if we can encourage ourselves in the Lord. Now, there are brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. This pastor friend that called me yesterday morning 
I called him again uh, yesterday afternoon about some other things, actually about the same. In fact, actually what I called him about, because this gentleman that's having these issues has been in the ministry for 30 years. He's a very mature man. He knows what the Word of God says. I mean, right now he's going through a difficult time. But his pastor, the one that called me, is a much younger man. And one of the things as we were talking on the phone in the morning, I asked him, well, what have you been sharing with him? And he says, well, really, we get together and we pray. And he says, you know, over the last two weeks, he says, of all the private time. Now, he says, when he's in the pulpit, when he's publicly talking to people, you'd never guess there was a problem. But he says this when we're alone in prayer, because we get together every day and we pray, because he travels out of this, this individual's church. He said, I haven't heard a positive thing come out of his mouth. And I says, well, you know and I know that it's how we talk and how we live in our home is what's really is in our heart. Anybody can put on a facade. And let's be honest, we all do it too. Of course, you know, the Bible does tell us to do that. The Bible says, put on the new man. There are times you have to put it on. Now, you'd be doing it in faith, though. But you do have to put on. But I got to thinking after I hung up, now, this younger man, the pastor, is his pastor. That's a sheep of his flock that's having an issue, that's having a problem. So I called him up in the afternoon, and I says, you're not doing something right. And he says, well, what do you mean, Pastor Craig? And I says, you're his pastor. Has he submitted himself to you as your pastor? He says, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's very submissive to me. Then why aren't you speaking into his life? Grab him by the shoulders and tell him, are you listening to yourself? One of your sheep is hurting. Would you allow, if you were a shepherd, would you allow a sheep that's hurting, in ignorance, whatever the reason, would you allow him to get near a cliff and jump off a cliff? No, you'd do it. You had, you'd go tackle him. You'd throw a rope around his neck. You'd do whatever you had to do to save that sheep. You're going to have to do that. He says, man, he says, Pastor Craig, I needed to hear that. I needed to hear that, he says, because, you know, that's down on the inside. I've been thinking, but he's, but he's my elder. And I says, no, he's not your elder. He might be an elder as far as in the faith is concerned, but he's a member of your flock and you have a responsibility to him. Now, when he called me, one of the things that he asked me to do, and I'm not sharing anything I can't because you don't even know who I'm talking about or what state I'm dealing with. But one of the things he asked me, he says, in fact, when he opened up the conversation, he says, I have something I need to talk to you about. And he says, but I've got to have it in the strictest confidence and you've got to promise me you won't tell anybody else, which I did. And... Um, when we were done, when I called him up in the afternoon again, I told him, I said, uh, you know, there's something else I think you really need to think about doing. I says, as a pastor, I don't know why I'm going this route, it might help somebody, but as a pastor, you have a confidence that you can't violate. But also as a pastor, you have another responsibility. And I says, as a pastor, in confidence, you can go to someone else that you have confidence in and get direction and get guidance and get insight on. And there's nothing wrong with that. You're not really violating that confidence as long as you can trust the person that you're talking to. And I says, in an essence, you did that when you called me. But I says, I'm asking you to go back to him and either one of two things, you do it how you want to do it. You either ask him if it's okay that you call me and tell me or you tell him you called me and you told me because I want to talk to him. And I says, the reason that I want to talk to him, there's a member of my body that's hurting. Now you think about your physical body. If you stub your toe, your whole body hurts. Your whole body will go to work and try to take care of that toe. I mean, your other leg will put more weight on it so you don't have to put so much work, uh, weight on the leg that's got the stubbed toe, right? The whole body goes to work. We have to look at these things this way when we minister to people. We're all part of the body of Christ. It's not about criticizing someone. It's not about judging someone. Don't do it because I promise you the judgment will come back on you because we'll all be faced with these things sometimes. In this world, you will have trials. You'll have tribulations. You'll have distresses. Of course, Jesus said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. In fact, he didn't quit there. He went on and says, I've even, I've even have power. I've taken power to overcome it so it will not harm you. But it's going to be through the word that these things are going to happen. Now, I'm just sharing these things with you. You're going to have to be able to minister to other people. You need to help them. 
The faith that is in you, I don't care where your level of faith is, but the faith that is in you is greater than someone who's hurting. And it's the word that's anointed. So if you can take them the word, you're going to take them the anointed word. And what's the anointing? It's the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. That's what it is. Now, look at here again. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Now, notice what became new. All. Now, of course, he's talking spirit here because we're spirit beings. He's talking about you as an individual becoming a brand new person in Christ Jesus. But now understand something because when that took place, your nature changed and you became the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, meaning you are in now right standing with the Father. You've got, every, you've got to see yourself that way every day. See yourself. I can approach the Father unashamedly. I can approach Him boldly with my cares, my concerns. He is your heavenly Father. He's your daddy. Young people that are sitting in here. Oh, man, get to know Him. Get to know the Father. He is a Father. And when you have issues, it's not about just praying to Him. It's about sitting and talking with Him. I mean, my son, he's got, got some things, taking nothing great taking place in his life, but he just called me up on the phone the other day asked me a couple questions about things and said, Dad, can you help me in this? And I says, yeah. I says, uh, write it down and send it to me in email. I, I need to have a little bit more information on it. So he sent it to me the other day and I quickly shot him an email back and I says, give me a couple of days on that. In fact, I answered him this morning early. Sent him an email and gave him an answer on it. But what? He came to me as his father. He's 30, he was 33 years old yesterday. But he's still coming to Dad. Still needs some insight, needs some help on some things. Guess what? I don't care where you're at spiritually, we need help from our Heavenly Father. You know? I mean, here we, ha we have a man of God that's hurting, going through some things. He needs some help from his daddy. That's what he needs. And my prayer is, is God give us, give me, give the other pastor, give others that are in touch with him the wisdom of God so that we'll know exactly what to speak in his life. What would the Father have us tell him? So it's not about what I'm going to tell him anyway. It's not going to make any difference. What would the Father have us tell him? Let's look at here what goes on. Look at the next verse. And all things are of God, now notice, who has reconciled himself to us, now notice, and has given unto us. Now is this talking to you? If you're born again, it is. Has given unto us what? The ministry. Every one of us in here are in the ministry. Reconciling people back to God. Helping them any way we can. Anybody that's got a stub toe, we want to help them. We want to raise them up. We want to bring them to another level. Now, Go with me to Romans, Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12. Now, we've seen over in Peter, he said that we are to have like precious faith. Well, and he says, you know, that comes with righteousness. Look at verse 3, Romans chapter 12, verse 3. So I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. So when Peter's talking about you and I having the, the, the same faith, having like precious faith, if we're born again, we've got the like, like precious faith. But we need to put ourselves in remembrance of that. Now, we've got the faith. Look at Galatians 2.20. I think we overlook this sometimes. Galatians 2.20. I'm going to give you a lot of Scripture this morning. Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20 says, For I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. But now notice, Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, or we could say in this body, how do I live it? I live it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, notice a little phrase in here. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. It's his faith. It's his faith. It's the faith of the Son of God. Now, it becomes yours when you get born again. You get the measure of faith. But whose faith is it? It's his. And you become the steward of it. 
So what are you going to do with it? Where am I getting to? I want you to get a hold of something. All things are possible to him that believes. That's what Jesus said. And we know everything works by faith. The just shall live by faith. You walk by faith. So everything that we're going to do is going to be done by faith. But understand something. Don't be concerned if you have enough faith. It's His. And you received it when you got born again. Remember Matthew says that if you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you could say unto the sycamine tree, Be thou rooted up and cast into the sea, and it should obey you or would obey you. It's not how much faith you have. It's using the faith that you have. It's his faith. See, I think people get so caught up. I just, oh, Pastor Craig, I just don't have enough faith. No, you have, there is an understanding you have to have it, and you do have to develop on this. But you know, these people that we'll, we'll look at a couple more examples here in a few moments in, in, in the Gospels, these people weren't born again. They weren't born again. You and I are born again. You and I are recreated into His image and likeness. We're brand new creatures in Christ Jesus. In essence, you and I are brothers and sisters of Jesus, created in His image and His likeness. These people were Gentiles. They were Jews. They weren't born again. And yet, they were able to receive. So how much more should you and I be able to receive this? Now, let's look at an example of this. Let's go over to Mark. Now, let's look at Matthew's account first. Let's go to Matthew um, chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Beginning at verse 5. And when Jesus entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, saying, Lord, my servant lies at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I'm a man under authority, having soldiers unto me, and I say to this man, Go, and he goes, and to another, Come, and he comes, and to my servant, Do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said unto them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west and shut down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so it be done unto thee. And his servant was healed in that selfsame hour. Now notice in verse 13, the little phrase that Jesus, Jesus used here. He said unto the centurion, Go thy way as thou hast believed. Notice, as thou hast believed. He believed. But notice something that's interesting about him. He told Jesus, now notice, he, say, he says here in, in verse uh, 5, he's a, cent, he's a cent, or verse, yes, by verse 5, he's a centurion. He's not born again. He's a centurion. Someplace he heard of Jesus. He had to. Because we know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Some place that he heard about Jesus, though, but notice, he says, my servant, he's coming on behalf of his servant, coming on behalf of another. He says, if you'll come, you can heal him. Centurion says, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou should come under my roof. He didn't even want Jesus to come. He says, it's not even necessary for you to come. He had an understanding of words. That's what it is. He had an understanding of words. He had an understanding of authority. He understood that if you command somebody to do... This is a centurion, a Roman centurion. He knew, if I tell my soldiers unto me, go do something, they do it, or else. And he knew that if my superiors tell me to do something, I do it to the death. We have to have that tenaciousness as far as the things of God are concerned. That we'll take what the word says. Notice he said here what the centurion said. Speak the word only. 
Now, if that's what he's saying, what else should he be talking? Nothing contrary to the word. Did you get that? Only speak the word. Don't speak things contrary to the word. Now, for all of us, that's going to require discipline. Because when you're in the heat of a battle, you are tempted to say things you shouldn't. And probably most of us do say things we shouldn't. And when that does happen, just be quick to repent of it. Because we're human and he knows that we're human. He knows, he knows we, we're emotional beings. And emotions aren't wrong. But at the same time, we've got to control our emotions in the middle of a trial. Because we'll say something out of our emotions that we wouldn't say otherwise. Now, if, if you're in here and you're married, husbands and wives, you and I both know, there's probably an, at least once in your married life that you got into an argument. And it got a little bit more heated than maybe it should have. And I'm sure probably not the wife, it's always the man I know, probably said something that he shouldn't have. See, I could have said it the other way, and I generally would have, but it looks like there's more women than guys in here today. So, you know, there's wisdom involved in this. You know, I think I've shared this before. Uh, my daughter-in-law and son, uh, our little Jack, our grandson, is a little over two years old now, but when uh, she was carrying him and it came time for them to do the, uh, what do they call that, when they hear the heartbeat? Sonogram. Sonogram, that's it. But they went ahead, and it was time to go ahead and do that. And, of course, they went ahead and they ran the test, and it was on a Wednesday afternoon, about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and there was no heartbeat. And, of course, and they kept checking and kept checking, and there was no heartbeat. And, of course, this is their first child, and, and understandably so. They were very upset. My son called me that afternoon. He called me right at 5 o'clock on their way home and told me what was going on. And immediately, and it wasn't so much because of me. It's just what came out of me. First thing I said to him, because I... My daughter-in-law is real, real close to her parents, which live a couple hours from here. And I said to him, I says, uh, has Heather called her mother yet? And he says, no, not yet. We, we called you first. And I says, don't call her. Don't you talk to anybody. Don't you say a word to anybody. And I says, tonight's church. I want you guys to be at church tonight. They live here in town. I says, I want you to be at church tonight. I says, I'm going to call Pastor John and just see if, uh, if maybe we can just... You go in there for a few moments before the service, and maybe Pastor John can, can just pray with us. Of course, we called Pastor John. He said, absolutely so. And then he called me back a few minutes later and said, Michelle would join us. So I called the kids up and told them, I says, we're just going to meet at the church at 6 o'clock, just a few minutes before the service, and Pastor John and Michelle will just pray with you. Well, we got into the uh, Pastor John's office, and this helped, helped me so much, and that's why I want to share it with you, because it, it really has helped me since then be able to minister to other people, is... They were uncontrollably emotional, my, my kids were. Uncontrollably. I mean, couldn't even, they couldn't talk. They were just weeping and crying and just totally uncontrollably emotional. Not saying anything. He listened to me. And uh, so Pastor John asked him a few questions and so forth. Now here's what Pastor John said to them. Because Dan, my, my son shared with him, he said, he said, Dad told us not to say anything to anybody. And Pastor John said, he says, now, the emotions that you guys are, are, are acting out right now are normal and they're human. And there's nothing wrong with that. Your emotions, listen to this, your emotions will not affect your faith as long as you can control your words. Oh, I hope you got that. Your emotions will not affect your faith as long as you control your words. Listen, listen to the three things I wrote down here this morning. The words you speak identify you. The words you speak identify you. The words you speak, and listen to this one, set the boundaries of your life. First one, words you speak identify you. Number two, the words you speak set the boundaries of your life. And number three, the words you speak affect your spirit. The words you speak affect your spirit. Remember what Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says? Guard your heart, or we could say spirit, for out of it 
are the issues or the forces of life. So how do I guard my heart? According to Proverbs 4. Words, one of the ways. Words, thoughts, who I hang around with, of course, but words. So the words we speak affect our spirit because that's where the forces of life are. Remember Matthew said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, I know my, I know my kids. Now, they love God, and my son's been born again and spirit-filled since he's been four and a half years old. And as I said, he just turned 33, so he was 31 when this incident was taking place in his life. But he's grounded, but not as grounded as he probably could be. And I knew in that situation, I mean, anything could fly out of your mouth. I mean, they already had a lot filled into their ears by the nurse that was doing the, the procedure. Now, I do give her credit. She says, you know, this could maybe just be false. She says, we'll schedule another test for tomorrow, and we'll, we'll run another test tomorrow. But I'm really concerned. <laughs> Thanks, kid. You know. But again, they're doing their job. They're doing what they know to do, and they see this, and they deal with these things all the time. And a lot of times it is the negative side of it. So Pastor John and Michelle, all they did was just a simple prayer for the kids. Pastor John, of course, encouraged them a little bit, built them up a little bit, and so forth. Now, you know, I told my son when he left church that night, and it didn't do any good. I mean, I tried to help him. I told him, I said, now, you know, try your best not to think on this. I mean, yeah, you can get that one, right? Yeah, don't think on this. This is our first child, you know, and so forth. But I just told him, I said, as, as, as hard as it is, I don't want the two of you talking about anything negative about this. You got tests tomorrow. Look to the tests. Pastor John and Michelle prayed with you. Do you know that the Bible doesn't tell us to pray for people? It tells us to heal. Now, I know it says pray for them. Lay hands on the sick and pray for them. But why do we pray for them? We pray for them because of the fact when we're laying hands on them, healing's going into them. Not maybe, because you're not the healer. And remember, you're a steward of the faith. It's not your faith. It, makes it, it takes the pressure off. When you ask someone if you can pray for them, do it. If they ask you, would you pray for me? Do, don't have any question about will it be a successful prayer or will it not. It will be. It's not you. You're a vessel. That's all we are is a vessel. And I told the kids that night, I says, Pastor John and Michelle, they laid the hands on The anointing of God went into your body. Now, the next afternoon when they ran the test, the ultimate outcome was the, the, the nurse says, I've never seen such a strong heartbeat. Now, was the child alive or not? I don't know. I know he is today. <laughs> Amen? But I do really think the landmarks were set when they got that report about words. They were going to set the destiny of what was going to take place. And I don't know if we've grabbed a hold of the, 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 the importance of the words that we speak. Because they are everything. The, the, those words that we speak set the boundaries of our life. And I think that's one of the reasons. You know, it tells us over in Proverbs, I, I quoted it. In fact, look at Proverbs 6.2. Look at Proverbs 6.2. And our time went quickly. We'll look at a couple more scriptures here. Yeah, I'll do that. Thank you, Lord. We're, we're going to... We'll, we'll take a few minutes here at the end today and just lay hands on people. Normally we don't do that, but I just sense it in my heart that maybe we just need to do that. If someone needs that, if they don't, that's fine too. Look at Proverbs 6, 2. Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou, now notice, thou art taken by the words of thy mouth. Think about those words. Snared. Taken. could say taken captive. The Amplified reads, you are snared with the words of your lips. You are caught 
by the speech of your mouth. Now, everybody in here, you know we all listen to, to Keith Moore a lot. And of course, you know he comes here a lot. And I know some of you listen to him uh, quite a bit. But one of the things that, that you have to admire about the man, he is a man of very few words. He has really gotten a revelation. And he's understood that the power that we have in words. So, you know, really, think about it. Three things I can leave with you today. Number one, you have like precious faith. You have like precious faith because you're in the body of Christ. And that faith is actually Jesus' faith. And it's the faith of God. Now, you've been, you, you're a steward of it. Now, we have a responsibility with that faith because faith comes by hearing. We can grow in that. We can develop in that. And it's like I said before, it's not necessarily that you're getting more faith. It's the fact that you're building up or developing the faith that you have. I mean, think of about a physical muscle. You just go ahead and, and, and you could be like my little grandson, Jack. He's got muscles in his arms. But his grandpa's muscles are more developed. And, of course, now as I'm getting older, I've got a responsibility now that I have to do some more weight, weight training, more physical exercise and stuff than what I used to do, or the muscles I got will begin to deteriorate. I've mean, I got another 30, 40 years left here, so I've got a lot i got to do. We laugh, but, hey, I'm going to be here. Unless Jesus raptures us out of here. i got some things I want to do. But notice, it's the words that catch us. It's the words that will snare us. So watch what you're saying. Now, the other thing, remember, words are life. Now, let's take the other side of the coin of words that we speak. Not just how do they affect you, what are they doing to someone else. We can speak life into people encouragement into people. You know, we're here, we shared the scripture in 2 Corinthians 5, we are ministers of reconciliation. What's that really meaning? We're here to lift people up. Again, get the understanding, get the revelation, see yourself as a member of the body, see everyone else as a part of the body. So our role is here is to encourage the body. Now, we can either tear them down or we can build them up. Unfortunately, we all probably tear people down sometimes. We, we, we've, got, we've got to rise higher than that. I really think that the reason that the body of Christ, and what I'm talking, I'm talking now, I'm going to clarify that, the body of Christ has got knowledge of the healing power of God. The reason that the body of Christ is not rising, with us, us, those with us with the knowledge of the healing power of God, are not seeing more. Number one, on our own physical bodies, and number two, being able to minister to others, is because of words. We're too selfish. That went over real big, didn't it? But it's true, isn't it? It's, you know, it's about me. You know, I mean, let's be honest. There's, there's, all of us have issues in our life. Every one of us. I mean, if you were in prayer this morning, or if you had your own private prayer time this morning, we had corporate prayer this morning, praying for things about the church. But I know, 9 out of 10 people in that church, probably 10 out of 10, Someplace during that prayer was more concerned about themselves for a few moments than they were what we're supposed to be praying about. But you know that there's a law of sowing and reaping if we get an understanding of that. If I'll sow to something else, guess what's going to come back to me? Good measure, pressed down, chicken. It's just not money. It's all about sowing and reaping. So let's start using our, our words, let's start using the, our mouths to build up other members of the body of Christ. Just, just a word. You know, I don't have a clue what's going on in the lives of every one of you sitting in here today. But I do know something. There's a lot of you sitting in here today that are hurting. Because you're being doers of the word. You're putting on. And it's good to put on. But there also comes a time that it's not wrong for you to go to a brother and sister in Christ and humble yourself would you pray with me? Would you? I'm, I'm going through a difficult time right now. We don't do that in the faith circles. Not, not the way that we should. I'm convinced that this brother of mine, this pastor or, or minister friend of mine, I'm convinced that if he would have went to his pastor or went to a brother and said, you know what? 
we got a bad report with my wife. Now, he didn't tell anybody about this report until now It's as far as what it is. He's kept it to themselves. You know why? We're faith people. We're faith people. Get over that. You're part of the body. If my, uh, back to the toe. If my toe hurts, guess what? It's telling the rest of my body it hurts. If I've got a toothache, that little tooth right there is telling the rest of my body, I'm hurting, I'm hurting, and the rest of my body is going to do whatever it can do to help it. We need to do that. And you are qualified and you are equipped to minister to whoever comes to you because you're a minister of reconciliation. Because it's not your faith. You're a steward of it. It's his. And it works every time. Every time it works. It says Jesus went about teaching, preaching, and healing. Guess what he did? He preached, he taught, and he healed. It didn't say tried to heal. And Jesus said he gave them a commission. He says, go and heal the sick. Now, it's true, it is, that can come through prayer, but really, your objective is healing. And you can do it. Because you're not the healer. He is. If we'll simply do the commission that he charged you and I to go ahead and do. I'm just trying to encourage you this morning. There's people out there that need you and me. You know, we will see manifestations of healing if we pray for people. You know why we're not seeing them? We're not praying for people. And don't be concerned if you don't see the manifestation. You're the delivery person. That's all you are. You bring them the good news and let the Holy Ghost go to work. Now, their, pl- their faith will have a part to play in this. And that's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to give them the word, be led by the Holy Ghost. Let's look at one last thing. We, we, we'll take just a moment on this. Let's go to Mark chapter 5. I'm not going to delve into this, but just, just want to show you a little thing here in Mark chapter 5. Verse 25, Mark 5, 25. And a certain woman had an issue of blood. Probably most of you can quote this passage because we teach on this quite a bit. A certain woman had an issue of blood 12 years and suffered many things of many physicians and spent all that she had and was nothing better but rather do worse. Notice something. When she heard of Jesus, faith comes by hearing. When she heard of Jesus. You know, when you minister to someone, if it's, if it's someone that's a Christian, they probably have already heard the word. So you don't have to give them a lot of word. And if they've never heard of Jesus and you ask them to pray, you can give them a word. Simply you can tell them, would you allow me to pray with you? You know, I'm sure you probably heard of the stories of Jesus in the Bible that when Jesus went and prayed with people that they got healed. You're not saying Jesus is alive today. You just allow me to pray with you. I, I just believe Jesus wants to heal your body and pray with them. Do you know that just because you can do that with confidence, that'll affect their faith? Because they'll think you know what you're talking about. And I know you do know what you're talking about. But sometimes you don't know as much as what maybe what you should know. But you know, really, it's not about how much you know, it's about how much you do. We have to do these things, or we won't have the, the manifestations of these things. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, notice, she heard, she said, if I am but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And then what did she do? She did. She heard it. She said it. She did it. She went and touched his clothes. And what did Jesus say? Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. It was her faith. So, in essence, it is your faith, but understanding something, it is the faith of God that's in you. But it was the fact that she acted on the word that she heard that she got the manifestation. If you're struggling, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, go back and understand something. Go back and just read through the Scriptures. As Pastor Chris said this morning, go back and encourage yourself with the Scriptures. Just these simple Scriptures. Take Matthew Eight. Take First Peter two twenty four. By his stripes you were healed. Just meditate on them. Go to this account in, in, in Mark. 
and literally meditate. See yourself. You've heard the word now. Say the word. See yourself touching the hem of, of the garment of Jesus. See yourself healed. Keep it. I mean, every other thought can be going on in your mind. But you know what? We all have a choice of what am I going to think on. We all have a choice of what I'm going to say. And I know when things are difficult, like with my son and my daughter-in-law, I know it's hard to control your thoughts. But guess what? You can do it. Because Paul said in Philippians, for you and I to think on these things, things that are good and lovely and pure and of good report. It is why the Bible says in Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. It is a fight of faith. And some of you in here, you've already fought, fought it and you've overcome. You've won. Oh, how much more? That testimony. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony do they overcome. All of us have overcome in some area. Use that as your testimony when you're ministering to someone. But don't let me challenge you. Encourage others in the body of Christ. We, we've, done ter- we've torn enough people down. Let's build people up. Let's encourage others in the body of Christ. I believe it's time that we start seeing the manifestations of Jesus. He's going to come back for a church without spot and wrinkle. Now, there will always be some spots and wrinkles because we're always going to be getting people born again. But those of us that have heard the Word of God, let's do it. You know, it doesn't make any difference if you're my age or the age of these young people that are here. All of you are part of the body of Christ. All of you have got the Spirit of God in you. All of you have got the Word of God in you. And all of you have got hands to lay on them. Amen? So let's, I just encourage you that they do it. If there's anybody in here, if you have to go, go because we ran a few minutes over to this morning. But if there's anybody in here that would like prayer, if you would, you just come up here and I'm just going to lay my hands on and pray with you for any reason. If there's anybody that's got any sickness, if not, that's fine. You can just feel free to go. But uh, if you are leaving, just kind of leave quietly in case some people would want prayer. If for some reason there's anybody in here, I don't think there probably is, but if you've never been baptized with the Holy Ghost, the evidence of speaking in other tongues, you want that. Uh, we got some people that will pray with you. I'll pray with you. So 